No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Eleanor Roosevelt. Recruit entry. Empowering your employment. With our guest, Marie Naruso. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning back into the next episode of the Great Recruitmentary Podcast. Our topic, believe it or not, today is going to be career exploration and internship student edition. With us is going to be a, well, a new part of the Recruitmentary family as well. Marie, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Michael. I'm good. I'm just excited that it's finally stopped raining over here in Toronto. How are you doing? Well, I'm in Florida. It rains literally every single day and we're in the rainy season. So I might as well be in the Philippines when the monsoon season is up. I agree. Once the sun comes out, it has to rain in order for the sun to come out. So <laughs> it is what it is, you know? Definitely. So uh, obviously we've known each other for a little while. Some listeners may not be familiar with you. So feel free to let them know what you're about and how you came to be where you are career coaching today. Okay, well, Michael, I'm actually, uh, and to the listeners, I'm actually located in Toronto. So I've been in the career development field for a little over a year now. So I ended up in this field after a lot of, I would say, experiences and self-reflection. Like a lot of youth now, I went straight into university after high school. I studied psychology, kind of obvious, a lot of people do it. And I graduated with no plan and no career goal. And I was lost. Trust me, it was not pretty. And I had what they call now a quarter life crisis, which I ended up finding out about a little bit later. You know, I wasn't sure what I wanted, went through a depressive phase. And then I talked with a counselor and I wanted to combine my headhunting background with my psychology degree. And I always had this need and this want to help others. So which is why I merged to and I now help people as a career coach who have been in the same situation as I. I am trying to find a career path that is well suited for them. I do career coaching, career exploration, job search coaching, and I help youth as well as adult job seekers. Yeah, I'd be surprised that you don't have if uh, any any uh, interested adult parties more than the students because just because you get older, you have experience doesn't mean that you're not exactly knowing where you're going career-wise. I mean, things change, your tastes change, really the industries change too, and sometimes what you're going for. I mean, I can relate with the psychology. I was thinking about doing that myself in high school. And then I had upperclassmen coming back saying, hey, we have a saturated market here. I can't find any jobs. Everybody went and did psychology and now there's nothing there. I mean, you have guidance counselors, but their career, I want to say their career focus is just very limited to yes. what you can really resonate with at a entry level university capacity. And it's not disrespecting anybody who I've ever done work with. I actually had a really good uh, guidance counselor when I was in high school, but it doesn't change the fact that not everybody's gonna have that great experience or those great resources available at really a critical and pivotal account in their lives. Oh, definitely. You know, compared to you, I didn't have such a great guidance counselor. <laughs> so a lot of the time the guidance counselor will maybe talk a little bit more about the typical jobs out there like doctor lawyers the thing is that's not the only jobs out there just like I am a career coach now I ended up finding that going through experiences and researching and I think a lot of youth now because they jump straight away from high school to 
university or college, they don't research and they don't explore to figure out what's exactly for them. And if you don't have that guidance either from your parents or from the guidance counselor, you will graduate university or college like me, just not knowing what to do and where to go. It becomes harder and harder to find insightful mentorship with individuals that are going in the direction business-wise or career-wise that you would want to pattern yourself against. It's very easy to find, like for example, it's very easy to find good examples of a broken marriage. It's very difficult to find people who are successful but are not using that tact as part of a sales pitch for a product or service that they have. You know what I mean? They're having a seminar, you know, of how to sell, sell, sell because they're this great salesperson. That's great, but what they're doing is they're focusing on making a sale for their product, not necessarily spreading the wealth of knowledge of information and, and direction. You know what I mean? There's a there's a profit to be made from that transaction of information rather than maybe a more worldly knowledge or a more worldly cultured individual. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. I've noticed, you know, at one point in my career that I was looking for mentors and every time I was talking to somebody in the field that I wanted, you know, them to mentor me, as great as they were in the field, sometimes it's more like, oh, if you book a session with me, then we can talk about it, you know, instead of actually just talking and just making conversation, building that relationship, it turning out to be a mentorship maybe later on. So that's why I like to help people is because I've been through that and I know how hard it is to get a mentor, especially youth right now, like everything influences them. They are at a critical point in their life. So finding a mentor, maybe a guidance counselor that can pair them up with somebody is very crucial. Agreed. Growing up, when you had a lot of these just hardships that you were going through, what were some of the resources that you sought out or what were some of the people that really helped you through those times? Was it a faculty member at a school? Was it somebody at a a church or religious or something like that for you? I guess as cliche as it might sound, it's my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Good old mom. Oh yes, definitely. I call my mom my psychologist. She's my go-to person when I have to, you know, vent about everything and talk about everything. That's a good thing is I have a good relationship with her and she has always supported me. So when I went through that whole quarter-life crisis, feeling depressed, feeling sad, not knowing where I wanted to go. She's the one that pushed me to go and seek help because there's so much that she can actually do. She's the one that pushed me to go see a counselor and talk to someone. And that was amazing. It was so helpful. And I think a lot of people don't realize too that, you know, whether it's a counselor, career coach, or somebody in a coaching capacity that you're talking to can be helpful. They actually are. You know, like there's somebody there that's not judging you and that's actually listening to you. And when you're getting those guided conversations, they're not telling you what to do. They're helping you to discover the solutions yourself. Especially when it comes to your career path. There are the reasons why I started this series and created this content is because when I was reaching out, just like you, the resources weren't there. They were missing. They just, there was this big niche of opportunity that it just seemed like everything that you wanted to seek out, there was behind some sort of paid walled service. Just like you said, hey, check this out, but you can go and do this here after you pay for my course. I'm not saying that it's not a bad idea to make money for what it is that you do and everybody deserves to be paid for what they know. Just when you're at a pivotal career point, sometimes that's the difference between sleeping and eating at night and taking Mm -hmm. your course. And I understand sometimes that's as real as it gets, but a lot of times these executives, those are the people that can pay for these types of
of opportunities and get bigger and better of opportunities, but not everybody has that reach. You know what I mean? No, nobody has that financial opportunity. Just, I like to joke in, 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 a, in a game called Animal Crossing, there's a the ability to plant a money tree. And then every time uh, that it grows, you go over and you shake it. And then the, the bags of bells, which is the currency, drops off. So I say, hey, listen, I don't have a, a money tree I can go shake at. I'm not playing Animal Crossing here. It's the same thing with people growing up. It's, it's a very, very mentally abrasive atmosphere to put you in. You're, you're, you are constantly reevaluating who you are. Am I as good as I think I am? What is my self-worth, my value? Is this really as bad as I think it is? And the reason why I ask if you have those types of people to look up to, because that's what this content is really about. It is supportive, helpful content to make sure that people know that, hey, listen, it's temporary. What you're going through, it's temporary issues. This is not something that's going to be forever. And sometimes the depression that can make itself apparent, it's it's just as temporary as a situation. It's pain and you just need to manage and mitigate the pain. Just like an athlete would. You know, if an athlete breaks its ankle, who rushes up with them? The trainer and then the physical therapist. And they work on how it is to heal that individual back physically, mentally, spiritually. And I just find that career spiritual health is just as important as a physical job offer or opportunity. And I reach out to people such as yourself to get those opportunities, get those connections, work together towards that common positive goal of of success. You know, of people having that work-life balance, having that problem profitable career balance and making those moves that make them healthy. Mm-hmm. And th- the thing is, a lot of people, you know, go day to day, not feeling happy about their work. They know they want something more, but they don't know how to start. And I had clients actually reach out to me. They didn't know what a career coach was. They were like, I need help. I just saw, you know, your profile on LinkedIn. So I just decided to reach out to you. I don't really know exactly what you do. So how can you help me? And I think there's a big disconnect between jobs seekers, you know, and people who are looking for that career exploration piece out there and career coaches. A lot of them don't know what we do exactly. And my job is to, I feel, is just put it out there, put value out there and just be like, okay, so this is what I do. This is how I help people. And then I provide just information out there, whether it's on my Facebook or on my LinkedIn or on my Instagram about how you can take the step yourself. And then when you hire a career coach, this is when you get the additional support and guided information to help you self-reflect even more. So we add that we're part of the guidance. I can give you everything, but if you don't do it yourself, then it's not going to work. Absolutely. You can only get as far as you want to get yourself. And with the amount of interest with the podcast and the content, I've seen a lot of students, especially international students with little to no work experience, you know, fresh out of high school, they want to put together a CV or a resume, even university or starting college, and they don't really have a lot of work experience. Just based on, you know, your experience and and students that you've worked with, or even just individuals with not a lot of work experience, what type of volunteer experiences, school clubs, interests, things like that, do you think should be listed on a resume with a student, you know, that has little to no work experience? Well, my advice would be if you do uh, have an education, if you're pursuing a degree, a diploma, a certificate, is to make sure to have it on there. 
And because you gain a lot of skills during those three years or four years of studies, you do projects, you do presentations. So describe those projects and those presentations similar to how you would as a work experience. So use accomplishment, use numbers. Were you the leader of the team? What did you manage? How many people were in the team? What was your part of it? So that's one thing that I would definitely say for sure, put on a resume. And then when you have volunteer experience, same thing, describe it like you would for a work experience. So describe it using accomplishment, use action verbs that describes exactly what you have done. Try to limit yourself and remove any verb that says helping or supported. The person looking at your resume wants to know what you did. So when you're helping, what did you do to help that? So definitely volunteer, put it on there. Any school club that you have helped organize events, put it on there. And I would say to just, you know, make a list of your strengths. What do you bring to the table? What makes you special over other students that are applying for an internship? But my only thing is do not limit yourself to the resume. Networking is a big, important piece in Oh, yes. Not just for job seekers looking for a job, but also for students, Mm -hmm. especially if you're getting out of school and you don't have a network. It's very frustrating to try to look for a job and just applying online. Conduct informational interviews. That's something that I've done during my certificate, my career development certificate. And a lot of people will actually take the time to meet with you. Whether you're going for coffee, you're meeting them at their work, or you're just doing it over the phone, a lot of people want to give back in that way. So you just have to ask. And I always tell my clients, if you know, you're reaching out to 100 people and only 10 people reply back, that's still 10 more chances to build relationships that you didn't have before. So informational interview is very important to me. That's a big strategy. And I would suggest, you know, going to job fairs and connecting with career center at your university or your college. A lot of them are there to help. They're there to help you with your resume, uh, to help you with an internship, and they provide information for free as well. And then, as I said, it's up to you to take it or not. I remember when I was in university, I did not even know where the career center was. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good, Marie. That's not good. That's why you didn't know what you were doing when you graduated. I know, definitely. (laughs) And a lot of people that I graduated with that reach out to me now said the same thing. They didn't know that our school had a, a career center and they didn't know that all those resources were provided. So, you know, a lot of times you're involved in the social aspects of, you know, university college and then you're you know you're studying but you're not really taking into account what's next after those four three years giving those opportunities of growth obviously that you've gone through and graduated and knew that the resources were there after the fact do you think maybe there's a better way for them to be presented to the student body that they would actually be better utilized maybe a better title or i mean just from your experience what would you think would get people to actually get in there and really get the support and services and resources that they need. Being more present on the campus, I think because I didn't see it around, so I didn't know about it. So number one is being at student events, to talk to students, being there at orientation, different pairing up with a student unit to promote it to the students. I think that's a really good way to do it, but to also describe to the students what it is. 
Because when you are in university or in college, you're not thinking that far ahead. That's just the truth. I didn't. <laughs> At least for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like actually explaining to them that after those four years, you know, it's not going to be easy. You're not just going to get, you know, a 70K job as soon as you graduate and talking to them and touching on pain points that the career counselors and career educators at their school have seen over the years because they have talked to their students. So they know what the students go through. So just talking to them about it, I think, is a great way for the students to understand that this is the help that they need and it's better for them to get it sooner than later. Well, I can't disagree with that statement. That's 100% on the money. What I will say though is going through so many resumes and working with so many students, what are just some constant mistakes that you just keep seeing showing up on resume after resume from students? I mean, aside from obviously don't put your you know full address there, but what do you normally keep seeing that you keep having to reapply knowledge-wise to the next student uh, that, you, that you work with? Oh, the funny thing is, is today I've looked at, I think about five, I would say maybe 60 resumes for an internship. Wow. And a lot of the time, what I see is people apply some of the old school style of doing a resume. They still use reference available upon request. And every time I see this, I'm like, oh, why? Why would you put this? (laughs) In case you forgot. (laughs) I know. And everybody knows you have a reference. Well, hopefully you do have a reference. Mm -hmm. This is just wasted space. And I see objective statements. Why are you putting an objective statement? How about putting the title of the position that you're applying to? That's when I'm going to know what you're applying to. You don't need to tell me that you're a hardworking team player. Keywords, buzzwords, too many of these, the employer is not going to take it seriously. Everybody can say they're a team player. You can say you're a team player. I can say I'm a team player. It doesn't mean that we are. You need to provide accomplishments. You need to provide examples, evidence of what you have done. Same thing. I mean, maybe I'm not as hardworking as I say that I am. And I put it on there hoping that they call my bluff. The same thing with resumes available on request. Maybe I don't have any resumes. The references available on request. Maybe I don't have any. I'm just waiting for him to call my bluff. You know, they go, okay, he's got him on there. Don't worry about it. But that's the thing. Then when you show up at an interview and then they're going to ask you about what you have done in the past and they're going to ask you behavioral questions, then you're probably not going to have anything to give. A lot of the time, if you lie or try to bluff on your resume, then when it's time to be face-to-face in the interview, it's going to come out. And if it doesn't come out at the interview, it's going to come out sometime during the job. I mean, I just want to be the best candidate that they can want to have. I want to be perfect on paper. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, well, okay. I guess I have to be honest with my resume then. All right. Yes, you definitely have to because it will come out. And I've seen so many times job seekers, if they apply to a job and then they get an interview, they don't have stories that prove what they have written on the resume. Or they go to the job and then they ask them to work with a certain software that they said they were you know, we're proficient and they have no idea what they're doing. I've seen that firsthand. I mean, I joke, you know, I'm kidding around, you know, just kind of be a pain in the butt, but I remember a, boy, I sound old when I say that, back in the day, I remember (laughs) in my time, you know, but it it really was, this was a, was a part-time graphic design position. There was a couple of interns that were also hired for the summer and they said that they knew this uh, software. And the one intern was pretty cool. 
she knew what she needed to know, but the other one just literally, she must have bought her way into college because she didn't really know anything. She wasn't learning anything. She was constantly on her phone during the summertime. And I guess it came down to, there were just too many people going on, you know, too many people that were in the office at the time and they had to make decisions. I guess I wasn't really a key requirement, you know, for that business. So they needed the software. That's what they were there to do. And they shifted around accordingly. Well, come to find out later on when that internship was over, that girl didn't do anything at all that she was supposed to do. She did not know the software and it was a complete waste of time. She actually ended up messing up a lot of the databases for the customers and clients that they had while she was there and I was just I laughed I laughed as soon as I heard I laughed telling you about it now because you know again I, I was joking about it prior but you really need to do exactly what it is that you say that you can do on a resume even as a student hey listen you're trying to be impressive you want people to hire you you want people to to bring you on for that internship for that possibility but it's not by line you know you can adjust your titles you know, as, as it sees fit a little bit, a little finesse that way, or reword responsibilities slightly so that it matches what it is that you're doing, just as long as it's still factual. The titles don't really matter as much as what the experience is and the supporting management body that's there that's gonna vouch for you. I've done management duties and I wasn't a manager, but if I'm applying for a management position, I will say that I was a manager there because again, I did management duties. And whoever that's going to call as that reference and verify, they will verify that. It does count to, to make sure that you have those resources available. But that's also why I ask, you know, you know these, these constant mistakes and volunteer experiences because you wanna give people the best opportunity possible for candidacy, but you wanna do it in a, in a successful, positive, morally thumbs up manner uh, rather than lying your way there. So I'm sure, I mean, you really haven't had too much experience with students, just folks in general, looking for opportunities, but you know, not really coming clean about their experiences, right? I've seen it. I haven't, you know, experienced it directly, but I've, I've seen it, you know, like you look at a resume and then you call the person and you ask them and they have no idea what you're talking about. Nice. So you can, you can tell when somebody's lying. That's why, you know, they have so many phone uh, interviews and then face-to-face -face interviews and then they are going to test you with different things. You know, even though the process is long on their side, they're just trying to lean out the people that are not fit for the position. My thing to say is drill down on your strength and your value and then apply to jobs that line up with that and then with your interests as well. And that will be the best way for you to, you know, get a job because you need to know who you are and you need to know what you want before you apply to something. Because if you're going to lie your way through it, not going to be a good ending. <laughs> Agreed. Well, from what it is that you've come across, I mean, we're talking about what to focus in on, what to avoid. What are really three solid steps or points of focus that you would share with potential candidates, students, job seekers, that are looking for work that would benefit them in their job search? One of the number one thing I would say that would benefit them in their job search, networking. I don't know how many times I will say it and say it over again, networking. And especially because you're a student, you can leverage the fact that you are a student and that you want to learn more about the company or about the role itself. 
informational interview. I suggest everybody to Google that. It's definitely a great way to meet and talk to people and definitely ask them questions that you are unsure about towards the job. The second one would be narrow down your job search. Don't go general and try to apply to everything that you see just to get a job. I know it's hard to do, especially, you know, when you're trying to get a job to pay for the next month's rent. If you keep applying to general job, you will probably not get a job that's suited for you. And you're going to end up hating the job after. But if you do your research on the companies, if you do your research on the role, and if you match up with the role, then your best bet is that you will get job sooner than if you go more on a broad scale. My third one would be, and that's very important. That's what every job seeker, everybody out there should do before, you know, they pursue a career, look for a job or do anything is to know yourself. A lot of time when you see people talk about career exploration, career coaching, they will mention you need to know your interests, you need to know your values, your strengths, your challenges, your barriers. And those are really important because then you know what to leverage when it comes to your job search. And then the challenges, if you know your challenges, then you will find a way to find resources to tackle them. If you don't know what your challenge is, then you would not know what to tackle and what's coming in the way of you to get to where you want to be so that would be my three nice all right so to review for everybody who's listening number one network number two do your job research number three know yourself i like them very solid points very easy to forget but very good to keep focus on i like to wrap up our episodes with a because uh, i'm sure we all have them is you being a former recruiter yourself as well to sharing one of the recruiting uh horror stories or career placement stories and then uh ending our episode with a awesome placement story so they can be one in the same if it started out bad but then ended out good <laughs> or one bad and one good you know i'm sure you have quite a few but give us your your choice pick worst placement story i would say uh, when I was a recruiter, I was, well, I was headhunting as well. We were screening a lot of uh, candidates. At one point, I thought I found the perfect candidate for one of my employers. Turns out, after reference check, not so great. So what ended up happening is that we weren't doing the reference check, so we were passing it on to the employer. And the employer did the interview, loved him, phone interview, face-to-face -face interview. And then when he came to the reference check, he was not who he was claiming to be. So a lot of his past employers ended up not giving good recommendations for him, which I wonder why he put them on the list. <laughs> Wow. But yes. <laughs> so the employer was definitely not happy. <laughs> I can imagine. About, about that. But I think I would say that's my worst story. I know it's not that bad compared to some of the horror stories that I've heard. I'm kind of happy this is my worst story. <laughs> oh, you should rewind to the earlier episodes of the podcast. I mean, there are some <laughs> definite horror stories there. But to clarify, just to make sure. So when they when they did the background check on him, when you said he, he wasn't who he said he was, was he like assuming somebody else's identity or was his background just not as squeaky clean as he made it out to be? You remember when we mentioned lying on a resume? Yes. So he did, definitely did all that. So everything on his resume was not what he claimed he did. 
so we were doing we were doing it for automotive technician position Uh and he has been he was fired from all his job i think he didn't last for more than two three months and but that that's a funny thing to me is that he actually put the reference on there and gave it to the employer thinking that they would give amazing reviews of him and they were all like i would suggest that you do not hire him wow he just he he gets into fights with people you know he can't work with customers and he does not have a good work ethic so and that was funny. I was just joking about that other thing too. And that was right <laughs> on the money about every oh, yeah. this guy did. Wow. Well, I hope I don't cross paths with him because like I said, what I do in my resume, what I do in my podcast is hundred percent what it is that I do. <laughs> that is, I mean, again, that could be very much a business and owner of a business's nightmare that they have to potentially deal with on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, that is really bad, but okay. So we got our horror story. What's a, what's an awesome placement story that you can share with us and the listeners? I would say uh, one of my clients was actually, you know, same thing as me graduating university with a psychology degree, of course. (laughs) And same thing, you know, like not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. I think it's been, they've been looking and trying to find their way for about four years doing cashier jobs, server jobs here and there, and really not knowing what they wanted to do until we actually worked together. So we did the same thing that I was telling our job seekers out there, trying to figure out who she is exactly, you know, what she wants, made a list of career opportunities that she think and she thought would be best suited for her. Mm-hmm. And then after that, networking. I'm giving you all the, the magic nuggets of career exploration. So So, you know, she networked and she learned about all the different jobs that were on her list. And now she is actually going to do her studies to become a teacher. So she got settled on becoming a psychology teacher and a drama teacher. That's awesome. Yeah. So she was she was very happy. She got some clear, you know, guidance on what she wanted to do. Sometimes some people are like, oh, I can't go back to university or go back to pursue more studies. It's never too late. If you know exactly what you want to do, it's never too late to go back and pursue it if that's what you want. Oh, there's, I mean, you're a life student, so it doesn't even restrain yourself to university or college or or Mm -hmm. institution. I mean, you have resources like Udemy, Khan Academy, Google Primer, um, all kinds of things that you're, I mean, YouTube. You can learn literally how to build, somebody built a house from start to finish just by tutorials that they watched and learned about on YouTube. Think about that for a second. Think about how powerful that is. You can literally everything from blueprints, foundation, building concrete, framing drywall, every single thing that you can do about, except for pulling the permits and stuff like that, because that's, you know, (laughs) based on where it is that you're living and, and that's county stuff, but that's powerful. And you don't know, we don't know how to do these things until we learn or we taught we mm-hmm. that. One of the um, one of the examples that I like to give all the time is you see these really, really great actors and they, they can speak a language or they can be a character or they can do this. This wasn't something they just woke up and learned how to do. Maybe it's a completely different language. They had to learn how to speak and all the edicts and all the cadences and nuances of that language. There's a language coach that's working with them to phonetically really just familiarize themselves with how to speak you know that's not something you just wake up and know how to do it takes 
somebody teaching you. It takes time learning it. Even if you are a self-learning student, I like to do things and figure them out myself. You mm -hmm. get a book, you go online, you look at tutorials, you figure it out. And then the biggest thing that you can do as a give back to the community is write something based on what it is that you've learned to make it easier for people who are definitely going to be doing those same things and need those same resources that you that you need. You've now created it and made it easier for them to learn more quickly and they're going to be much more thankful to, you know, to come across those things as they are. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, like I know people that made an AC out of a bucket and ice, you know, just by looking it. on... Styrofoam with a fan. Oh, I've yeah. seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I don't think limiting yourself to college and university, like I think there are so many resources out there to be able to do that. And like you said, write an article or just record a video of yourself talking about it or even doing it because so many people go for the same experiences as you do maybe not the exact same way but some of the pain points are the same so sharing what you learned it might inspire somebody well with that being said that concludes our podcast you can find marie on linkedin feel free to connect with her or i for that matter and also check out career innovate directly uh, on facebook and instagram at career innovate that is c-a-r-e-e-r-n-o-v-a-t-e -E -E. it was a pleasure having you on the podcast marie thank you very much for your time thank you very much for having me michael Likewise. Have your own recruiter or candidate story that you'd like to share with us? If you're listening on YouTube, comment below. Otherwise, feel free to email your experience to ask at recruitmentry.com. You can find our full conversation of this episode on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash recruitmentry. Thanks for checking out this episode and feel free to like, subscribe, and share the content. A Mike Tech Studios production.